on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Got an A-B conversation? You can now tweet your way out of it with Twitter's new conversation feature. Greg went all the way to New Delhi to get new business cards and give away his cell phone number? I talked about spelling iced coffee all over my shirt and how Google basically did the same thing this week. Mark didn't want me to reply to his tweet, so I gave him all my thoughts on Kesha during the show. Shap explained the basketball app and how it relates to TikTok via Snapchat. And we find the Netflix of pond contractors using Google <laughs> My Business's new review attributes. All on today's show. This is marketing clock. <laughs> oh, we should keep that. Can we edit that into the beginning? <laughs> Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news, a proud part of the Search Engine Journal podcast network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shep. I'm Mark Saltarelli. And I'm Greg Finn. And it's officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on August 14th, 2020. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join the conversation, hit us up. We're at Marketing Clock everywhere. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another week. I would like to apologize in advance. Um, I've had this cricket outside my window for days, and it is truly not ceasing. It's morning and night, so if you hear that, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's terrible timing because you'll see Jess is not here to make her puns, and the cricket would have been really nice after her puns. Um, but we're very happy to have Mark here on the show this week. Welcome, Shots Mark. fired. Oh, we need to have like a drum roll after <laughs> that. I wish I had some symbols here next to me. Wow. You, I know. She's not I, even here and you're roasting her. Like she's like on vacation enjoying herself. I was thinking about not saying it because like Jess is so nice, but like, who are we kidding? I'm evil. So. <laughs> but like she can take a punch and she likes to take a punch. Like, like she thinks it's, <laughs> she's laughing when she, when she hears us, she'll laugh. Agreed. So yes, but welcome, yeah. Mark. We're so excited to have you here. What's yeah, been and going I'm... on with you? <laughs> well, I was going to say, I'm so happy to be here because it feels really weird because the last time I was on the show was like the first week of quarantine. Yes. I thought it was only going to be for a little bit. And now here we are in August still <laughs> shooting the show from our homes, which is like really funny and well, not funny, sad, um, but like weird. <laughs> so the last time we were doing the show was when um, I last time I was on was when we talked about TikTok and the cracked walls and we had our video off and it's like I live in an attic apartment it's temporary and my walls probably wouldn't make the TikTok cut but I dressed them all up for you guys and my background is like okay you're not seeing any of the cracks like we could put the show on TikTok. <laughs> I love it it looks great wonderful decorating. Thank you. <laughs> it means a lot coming from you, especially with all of your stencil work. I know you're very skilled. <laughs> I'm doing my best. What about you, Greg? What's going on over there? Oh, I am about ready to get out and go camping with two five-year-olds tomorrow. So oh. tomorrow night, well, actually, as you hear this, folks, I'm going to be camping in the woods, wilderness camping with 
my two kids. And Mark, you just went on two camping trips. So yeah, you always feel like you're like super refreshed coming back. And I, I feel like that's not going to be me Monday. So what tips can you give me? <laughs> what tips? Okay. So I just think the big thing is to like rem- I focus on being somewhere different. Cause like, that's for me, the biggest part of like why I'm so refreshed is that like, I'm not in my apartment waking up and doing the same routine every day. So like break up your routine a little bit. Like it's okay to crack a beer before noon. <laughs> um, I like, this. like sleep in a little bit. Like don't look at your phone unless you want to look at your phone, but like, no slack no email yeah just disrupt that routine like I, I i hate to say it i'm one of the people who does intermittent fasting i don't want to be annoying but like when i'm on vacation camping like that is gone and i just do <laughs> what i want and just be one with nature stare at the trees have a blue light seltzer wow that's all you need to do we haven't even got to the first news story and you're telling us about your diet <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shep, I know this is a big week in your household. How have you been doing? April, oh, yeah. August Rem- 10th, right? Remember, August 10th can't come soon enough, so I've been <laughs> um, home alone all week with the cricket. It's been fine. Um, it's been fine. I don't know. Nothing to report, really. I've been listening to all the Taylor Swift I want, basically, is mm-hmm. the difference. Have you had the Sticky Bandits come over? <laughs> Because you're home alone. Oh. oh my god, I missed your home alone joke. Is that Jess over there? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, before we get into the news this week, don't forget, everyone, you can watch us on YouTube again. We are on the Search Engine Journal YouTube channel. If you search that without spaces, you will find us. You will find the full episodes and little short clips of our main news story. So be sure to check us out. And please leave us a review or say something nice. Just give us a nice comment. I know we had a couple recommendations on Twitter. I think Julie Bikini gave us a recommendation. We got another great review. It makes all of this worthwhile. Thank you very much. Thanks, Julie. So what is happening in the news this week, Mark? Mm -hmm. So first up in the news, Twitter, it's long lot itself as kind of like the town square, like that's like its social media brand, but it looks like this once communal village is now going to be filled with little clicks. I don't know if that made any sense, if anyone's following that. You're not like someone who's like living in my brain and understands what I mean by that. You can hear it from the perspective of Ingrid London from TechCrunch, that's at Ingrid London, I-N-G-R-I-D-L-U-N-D-E-N on Twitter. But after about three months in beta, Twitter is now letting everyone limit replies to their tweets. So I tried this feature out. You can see a picture on the screen. But Jess and I always have opinions and we agree with them. But Greg and Shop like really hate our opinions. So I wanted to use this feature to make a safe space for me and Jess. I'm sorry for interrupting your vacation, but looks like you didn't respond, Jess. So that's cool. So I didn't interrupt your vacation, but we did this. Um, Well, I did it just so I can communicate that I love the safety dance. I love Meatloaf. Bad Out of Hell is a fantastic album. And I do eat honeydew. So those are all opinions that Jess has been ragged on previously in the show that I agree with. And I am able to safely vent these on Twitter now without any troll responses from Greg and Well, Greg found a way to respond. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. There's a loophole. Don't worry. (laughs) 
<laughs> so this new feature is available on iPhone, Android, and web, but TweetDeck is not yet supported. That's to come later, apparently. And it will allow everyone to limit their replies to either everyone, so currently, um, only people that follow them, or only those tagged in the tweet itself, like I did with Jess in my example. If you pick the third option and don't tag anyone, it's just like a way to like broadcast what you're thinking to the world without any replies. It's good for if you're doing a thread on something and don't wanna be interrupted. Um, that's what you'd use that for. And then Twitter said they clarified this will not interfere with anyone who's already like on private, who's limiting who can view their tweets by default, that will still be the same. And it won't replace the who can see my tweets feature. Um, pretty much the goal is to give users more control. So people can like discuss sensitive issues like politics or personal things without worrying about trolls. Um, you can have a conversation with like a set group of people and limit it to that group without being interrupted by outsiders. Um, really good for industry discussions. And it can act as a complement along with like muting and blocking to get rid of unwanted people replying to your tweets. Mm -hmm. And it's basically a way to have like conversations that are publicly viewable without having like unwanted interruptions. Yeah, and I think if you followed along with that Jack from Twitter, Jack Dorsey and Kara Swisher conversation, that's supposed to be that one-on-one, -on -one, it was a disaster. And I think that that is like, if you go back and try to read that and we can link to it in the show notes at marketingclock.com, it is unreadable and this can make it readable by making it be those two people. And that's like the shining example of how it was broken before. So according to Z, um, the new setting has already had a positive impact on trolls, um, preventing an average of three abusive replies while creating only one abusive retweet with comment. So a negative and, impact on trolls. Oh, I, The yes. trolls are suffering here. Mm -hmm. I know, Jess will be very upset about this too because <laughs> she loves trolls, the movie. Um, the movie soundtrack. And, but yeah, she like, hasn't seen the movie. I, I do want to say this for everyone. Um, retweet with comment. I hate. I've been using Twitter since the olden days. I miss quoted tweets. And if quoted tweets still work the way they used to, where you would just be like quotation marks and at the person. And I used to like edit things to make it funny, which was even more problematic because <laughs> it has more malicious capabilities. Like I prefer to say quote tweets than um, retweet with comment. As our YouTube viewers can see on the screen, this did kind of pan out. I only did have one abusive retweet from comment um, from Twitter user at Greg Finn. That's horrible. <laughs> what a jerk. Wait, there was also somebody that chimed in and tagged along and was spitting fire there with me. But it wasn't a retweet That's with true. comment. That's it was true. a reply to you. It wasn't a reply to me. And I so there still only reply. was one troll. Yeah, I think you were just like making a judgment. It's just like, <laughs> if you don't want to hear from me, Fine, your loss. But that, that's what you're seeing now. You're seeing a lot of people that can't join in on something, getting mad about it, just quote retweeting it, being like, imagine if I couldn't listen to other people talk or something. And it is kind of causing a different, different type of spam, right? Or a different type of trolling, rather. Okay, next up in the news, Google has suffered from a massive glitch. SEOs around the world were scrambling on August 10th this week when it seemed that an algorithm update was pushed out. Wasn't an update, it was a glitch. It sort of reminds me of the, it's a bug, not a feature, where you're like, oh no, is, this is uh, just a really bad algorithm update. It's a and also saying they suffered from it, like it was their fault, right? Yes. So it, like they did it, I don't know. I wouldn't yeah. say they're suffering, they had a glitch. 
Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, like, is it really a glitch? Like before this, one of my blogs on the website was not the featured snippet. It used to be, it stopped being it. And now it's the featured snippet again. So I think this was a win for me. Yep. Excellent point. What appeared to have happened was an issue with caffeine. And speaking of that, I had an issue with caffeine earlier. And I was gonna change, I was drinking an iced coffee and all I'm on a, on Zoom meetings all day. I just stare at a screen and just drink whatever's near near me. And so I had this iced coffee, and by the end of the meeting, it was all ice at the bottom and just a little bit of coffee. And I didn't have anything to do but try to get the rest of this coffee out. All the ice fell down right on my face, the coffee splashed everywhere. I'm like trying to like wipe coffee up, and I've got like coffee stains on my shirt. I don't know if you can see it. But wow, I was that gonna, is so classy. I was going to change Did my shirt. even change for the viewers? No, I was going to change, and then I was doing my notes, and I'm like, there's a caffeine issue, and I had one too, so it's a, a relate. Like, I'm basically um, Google. So you just did it for our YouTube viewers. That was very I mean, nice. you yes. could have, like, just taken a picture of your shirt, and we could have put it over the screen like we do with other things. Mark, I actually did do that, and then I had another meeting, another Zoom meeting, and <laughs> I just did the call. Oh, yeah, I was there with you. <laughs> I'm not lying. Um, so anyway, <laughs> caffeine is what helps Google uh, index quicker and Gary from Google had tried to shed a little bit of light on what happened and he said if something goes wrong with most of the things that it's supposed to do that will show downstream in some way if scheduling goes awry crawling may slow down if rendering goes wrong we may misunderstand the pages the index goes bad ranking and serving may be affected don't oversimplify search for it's not simple at all thousands of interconnected systems working together to provide users high quality and relevant results throw a grain of sand in the machinery and we have an outage like yesterday and that's kind of scary Mm -hmm. just it was just a grain of sand and that's what happened but hey Mm -hmm. you know i guess better than a splash of coffee on your shirt you know (laughs) and i mean i kind of like seeing google mess up every once in a while yeah and one of the things is some of the mess ups were hysterical there casey markey at media wise on twitter said the carousels look hecked up look for one of these baked beans all over the place i have several examples good times and he searched for baked beans and like braised pork belly was coming up, green beans with poblano peppers, the best sausage casserole. It's like, this is funny, at least. <laughs> at least we got a couple of laughs out of there. So head on over to marketingclock.com to see that image or check us out on YouTube. Shep, what do you have? And keeping it with Google here, they are testing a new feature called People Cards. These are being described as virtual business cards, and they're only available for mobile searches in India right now. Google says these are designed for business professionals, performers, influencers, entrepreneurs, job hunters, freelancers, or anyone looking to grow their presence online. That terrifies me. Like any, everyone's just going to be trying to be famous and be an influencer now and adding themselves to the Google search results. That's awful. Who would do that? <laughs> you. Don't you have a good, you have a Google alert on yourself, don't you? No. Oh, I, I do have one. Yes, that, that's I have a Marketing Clock one, a Greg Finn one, and a Cypress North one, which is our agency. Yeah, like I guess it's a good thing when it's your agency, but when you're just my sister and you have a Google alert on yourself for no reason, it's like, relax. <laughs> is it like for like protection or out of like vanity? The Google alert? It's yeah. vanity. She just like <laughs> wants to be notified anytime anyone's talking about her. But my, yeah. mine is for content. Like if somebody mentions marketing clock, I'm going to favorite, retweet it and follow that person. Like That's nice. I just think a lot of people are going to be abusing this and being like international influencer when nobody knows who they are. So it's important I'm to make sure that. if you want to use this, that you are logged into your Google account and all your social media accounts are also logged in that you want to include in your virtual business card. And to set them up, you just Google add me to search and you'll be able to add a website link 
links to social profiles, and any other information you want people to know about you. You can also include your phone number, which just sounds like a complete nightmare. Like, I hate talking on the phone so much. Why would I want to give anyone that information? But you can do it if you want to. And Google says, the more information you provide, the easier it is for people to find you. Like, is that a warning? Yeah, like, I don't, Scary. like, this is, like, feeding the Google Knowledge Panel, but for people, and it's, like, I already, like, judge people who are putting, like, their full resume on LinkedIn that has, like, their address and their phone number and their email address, like, I have no contact information on LinkedIn besides my Twitter, and it's, like, this is, like, putting everything out there. I feel like spammers are going to abuse this, like, I don't know, you have to be really careful, like, I don't know how many times to say it, but be careful what you put on the internet. Yeah, speaking of which, it looks like Greg set one up for himself already. I just saw oh, yeah. this in here. <laughs> you can call me if you're in India, search for Greg Finn, hammer that phone button and you'll get a direct line on my cell phone. <laughs> yeah, so people were talking about that. Alita Solis found a way that she wasn't in India, but she was able to set one up by visiting the mobile version of Google with a VPN. Is that what you did, Greg? Yep. I went to um, New Delhi, I believe, and I set up an account. Oh, and... I wasn't there. <laughs> it was pleasant. It was pleasant. Mm -hmm. The news was nicer than the news you get here in America oh, um, nice. when I logged in. Uh, so that was good. So yeah, yeah, if you're like Greg and you want to add this great picture of him, um, it's really dark in the corner and you want to add yourself to the Google search results and you're not in India, you don't have to wait. Yes, you don't have to wait. But it did make me put my phone number in and I couldn't set this up all for the show if I didn't put my phone number in. Yeah, which is I crazy. heard that was for verification, but it doesn't, you don't have to share it was what I read. Okay, so I might have to go back and unshare that phone number. But right now, if you're in India, give me a ring. How about that? <laughs> now it's time for this week's take of the week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions we don't influence. You make the call. This week's take of the week is from Lily Ray. That's at Lily Ray NYC on Twitter. Someone should create a resource for business owners called how to tell if your SEO pitch was really just a pretty version of a quick site crawl that presents a handful of non-issues as if they were actual problems. And then it has the little emoji of the woman with her hand up being sassy <laughs> and the nail painting emoji, which I think is appropriate. Very Lily. I love it. This How are you seeing other agencies' SEO pitches? We get this all the time. When we're working on something and somebody comes and tries to pitch just a uh, organic work, right? You get all those like spam emails all the time. We're like, Hey, your, your domain authority could be better, blah, blah, blah. But every now and then an agency has just run some basic, basic scan of a site and be like, look at all these problems that have manifested. Your luffs are too slow. And it's like, well, look at all the other good stuff. Look at what you're ranking for. Look at everything that's happening well with the site. I see it all the time. People do, they have these, these cookie cutter, tools that they use to spit something out and then they use it as fear mongering and scare tactics. I hate so it. So then like your client will get it and they show it to you just to show you. Yes. That, and you have to waste okay. two hours of your life to be like, oh, I don't know why you care about this. Like why you care about, Hey, you are hiring us for our expertise. You, I don't care about this. I don't care about any of this stuff that they have on here. Mm -hmm. it, it's so frustrating. So I love this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cause at the end of the day, that's really, that's information, but it's not a strategy. That should, you should make that a shirt. 
That is me. I'd wear that shirt. Is that's that a, a business meme shop? Yeah. Yes, that's a verbal business meme. Great work. We're going to put that out on, on all, all of our accounts. That's information. That's not strategy. Love it. And now it's time for this week's I See Why Am I. This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked. But you shouldn't have. I see why am I, people. If you weren't around on Tuesday, this week's PPC chat was one of the best ever. I think we're all in agreement, right? It was a really good one. I had a it, great time. It was led, yes. Mark is a big PPC chat um, contributor. So I, it was, well, I, I like this one, but I also like the one that came off of Mark, your, your bad matching at Google, too. That was one just because oh, I'm pretty wide. That was a great day. Like everyone was like, <laughs> yeah. it is also a time where like everyone was in agreement. Yes. Everyone was like, that's exactly what I was thinking. And we were all just like, oh my God, like this shouldn't be legal. <laughs> yeah. But that was more like, like, let's get this off our chest. This one was really educational and I was on another call, but I was following along. It was fantastic. Yeah. So the topic was B2B marketing and it was led this week by power listener of our show, Andrea Cruz, which was she was an excellent moderator, in my opinion. Love to see her back. So there was a lot of friendly conversation going on. There was a bit of a disagreement between, there was a little bit of a disagreement between Mark Gustafson and our own Mark Saltarelli about CRM retargeting that we were all talking about. It was funny. It was very friendly, but you were on opposite sides of the spectrum there. Um, but like other completely. than that, yeah, it was just like great advice. And if you want to catch up on this, if you missed out, there is a write-up on the Kruya blog that you can check out. And there is also a podcast recap of every week's PPC chat. I didn't know this until today, but a new from MindSwan also does a verbal recap in podcast form every week. And mm -hmm. it's excellent if you want to mm -hmm. check it out. Yeah. And Anna is such a great speaker. It's like so great to listen to her. It's very calming. Um, she does a great job. Yes. Love to hear it. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid, organic, and social. First up in the paid universe this week, Facebook announced that they are removing over a thousand ad targeting options from their ad platform this week. And they say that they're doing this to eliminate overlap and redundancy in targeting. Kind of like when I said this week twice in my little intro there. But Andrew Hutchinson did a great write-up on this uh, for social media today. I don't always get to recap him, he's usually in social, so it was a real treat. And he talks about how they haven't done anything like this, like getting rid of targeting options in the past, unless it's because they're trying to prevent discriminatory, discriminatory ad targeting or exclusion, or they were like forced to. So they don't list every single category that's going away, but they're probably trying to prevent some bad targeting here. That's probably what's behind it. And Facebook says that these changes won't affect the vast majority of advertisers, but it also doesn't say anything in this post about notifying advertisers, which really scares me. Like, what if you have this set up in your account and your targeting just goes away? Like they say there's alternate options, but I don't know if they're just gonna switch it or take away all your targeting. It's scary. Yeah, I've literally had in the past some of the ones that have been removed due to privacy concerns. I've literally been like running campaigns and had no notifications. And I'm like, why is my audience all of a sudden half the size? And I'm like, oh, because of half my targeting options are gone. And it's, 
I, I don't like that they remove them without telling you. Yeah, that's definitely like, something. They soon there's going to be like five targeting options in Facebook <laughs> besides just like your basic demographics and like lookalikes. Yeah. So the, the article mentioned like military targeting. They're like combining a bunch of options. Um, but check your account and make sure that they're not taking anything away because that could be problematic. And next up, Morty Oberstein at Morty Oberstein on Twitter shared, since when does Google show a second set of sponsor results deep down in the image SERP? Am I late to the party? And he tagged Barry Schwartz, Rusty Brick at the bottom. So he has this picture of the search results with like, first of all, he's Googling by bookcase, but looking at the images. So I don't know if it has something to do with the word, the fact that he put the word by in the query, but he's in the image results and it has the sponsored ads at the top for shopping. And then if you scroll way down, it's so tiny because he has like the whole page in there. You can see that there's more at the bottom. And there's some really interesting bookshelves in these search results. Like they're like slanted to the side and I don't know how you would keep books on there, but interesting. And next up, a new report from eMarketer and the drum says B2B digital ad spend will hit 8.14 billion in 2020, which is a 22.6% increase from 2019. Comparatively, US digital ad spend as a whole will only raise 1.7% this year. So B2B people are just killing it with ad spend, I guess. I was just thinking that's a huge number, like 8.14 billion. And then I'm like, how many Bezos is is that like well, how many like <laughs> Jeff Bezos is our how what do you think Jeff Bezos net worth is it's I think so it's bad at net worth like he's on his way to being a trillionaire so that's like but he doesn't take a, a salary he has worth 191 billion dollars that is insane does he want to oh, adopt me I like I have a lot of issues with how much money he has. It's disgusting. There's like a calculator online. You can see like all the things you can do with his money. It is like not okay. <laughs> That's insane. This is one twentieth of Jeff Bezos' net worth, or actually less than that. It's probably actually like a twenty fifth of it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Um, but I think the thing that was really interesting about this, I think someone brought this up in PPC chat this week, is that a big part of like why it's increasing so much is that like a lot of B2B marketers like rely on events and events are super expensive. So now they have this whole part of their marketing budget that's like, what do we do with this? And it's like, okay, put it in paid ads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- and we, we've actually seen that too, not only on ads, but on other things, other like ancillary products. We had a client that's a, a B2B SaaS product that they had so much money earmarked for all these conferences the conferences are going virtual and they're saying well we need to have some good product videos like we need to re- have better branding we need to uh, revamp all of our assets and we need to make video and we're making animated video to show how this this product works and how it can help like how it can help because everything is so so virtual you don't have people out there you know what is it called? Slapping palms or whatever it is? Rubbing <laughs> palms? Like it's all digital. Scanning you know? badges. <laughs> Sharing their germs. Well, that makes a lot of sense, but I really liked the shade thrown at the beginning of this article. It says business to business marketers oft criticized for being laggards have sprinted ahead when it comes to digital ad spend. <laughs> Mark's mouth is a game. <laughs> I want to fight whoever this is. But I love that they said oft criticized. Like I need to start saying that more. Very classy. Mm-hmm. Don't say it to me. 
you're anything but a laggard, Mark. Oh. And next up, it's not every day that Glenn Gabe is in the paid section, but he is here this week. Glenn tweeted a screenshot from his at Glenn Gabe Twitter account and said he noticed that ads in Google Discover have included much larger images recently, he noticed. And we're not sure if this is from discovery ads or how this is happening. So we'll let you know if we get any updates there, but just know that images are showing up really large. And of course, this example he shared is like a beautiful business stock photo, um, just ready for a business meme of someone <laughs> doing some technological projection on a piece of glass that is mm-hmm. touchscreen. What it's is a touchscreen piece of glass well, with charts and then mappings and then a pie chart in the chart, right? It's crazy. Yeah, and it, I can tell like the woman is saying to him, like, this isn't strategy, it's just information. <laughs> like, how would that work during certain hours of the day? You wouldn't be able to see the projection on the glass. It would just go through. I, I want to understand oh. more. I mean, what what you need to understand is that this is made for, this is stock made for like weird financial services and telecommunications companies that they post on their LinkedIn. Yeah. The purpose I used of to this... work at one of those and run their LinkedIn. <laughs> the purpose of this is to confuse people into signing something. That's right. the purpose of this. Well, that is it for paid. What's happening in organic, Greg? We've got a lot of news in organic. And first up, YouTube is going to stop sending email notifications to alert channel subscribers of new content. If you do subscribe to channels, you'll note that you can get a message on your YouTube app when there's something new that's been uploaded and you can get emails saying, if you've opted in for some reason now, YouTube will not be sending those emails even if you've opted in. So if you've been relying to say, I want to see the next marketing o'clock because I subscribe towards it and I wanna get that email, download that YouTube app because you ain't getting it coming anytime soon here. I don't know the exact date it's rolling out, but just, Check out your metrics, I guess, if you're a big YouTuber. Make sure you have that YouTube app if you do want to subscribe to shows like this on YouTube. All right, next up, Scribd has acquired presentation sharing service SlideShare from LinkedIn. If you recall, it was big news back in the day when LinkedIn bought SlideShare. They didn't really do anything with it. They never really integrated it well. I mean, to me, SlideShare could have been really good if you leveraged video and some additional context to it. And they never really tried. I feel like they never did anything to it towards it. And so they are just sold it off for an undisclosed price to Scribd. And in case you don't know what Scribd is, they are trying to be the Netflix of eBooks and audiobooks. And I love it whenever everybody's like, oh, you want to be the Netflix of this or the Uber of that. Um, but they somehow got $58 million in 2019 to have a subscription eBooks and audiobooks. And I like this. I like the thought of this. It's like, I am the Netflix of PowerPoints. How exciting would that be? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm Scribd, the Netflix of PowerPoints. Right? No, that's just sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just hope they fix some of like the features. So I used to use this for a client. We'd put slide shares on landing pages and it was a big pain because like our clients didn't know how to use SlideShare, but like you couldn't connect it to like a company profile. Like it had to be tied to a person's own LinkedIn profile. So like we had to have these people who didn't know the technical end of it setting up SlideShares and then we'd have to like figure out how to embed it onto a landing page. And it's like, because we couldn't do it ourselves, because then if they stopped working with us, their slide share would be gone. Yeah. And it was just, I, please fix that. Sounds like they need to figure it out. Well, I hate to break it to you, Mark. 
I don't know if that's coming anytime soon because in the announcement, Scribd said that they're not bringing on any new employees per this deal. They're just going to use their existing team that is building the Netflix of eBooks and audiobooks. So hopefully they get a couple of resources, but there's not like a whole staff coming over or anything like that. Okay, next up from online tool. Wow, if you read this domain wrong, it can be really bad. Online yep. tools. <laughs> expert.com oh my and, god that's like as Greg was reading it I was like oh no who did that I almost made a very bad mistake and we'll put the URL up on YouTube right now so you can see this but Walmart is moving down the affiliate rates just like we saw with Amazon earlier uh, right when the pandemic hit Amazon slashed their affiliate commissions and People are on, we're thinking the thought is like the demand is as high as it's ever been. You don't need affiliates right now. And Walmart's filing suit. So many of the commissions were 4% before now going down to 1%. So one could say that Walmart is rolling back the fees. Am I right? Crickets. All right. I'll give it a, a small clap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. From Barry Schwartz at Rusty Brick on Twitter, he saw something that actually I think Glenn Gabe predicted earlier in the week that the highlight feature where Google shows the yellow text that matches your query will has rolled out in Google image search. And I think it was maybe Tuesday or Monday or something when Glenn saw in Search Console the um, that text a string coming in on images. All right, and not lastly here, but we have something called SEOs can't have nice things, and this is why we can't. And uh, Martin from Google, who is on the Search on the Record podcast, was responding to Brian Frieselben. Search off the record. Oh, no. Yeah, it's Search yeah, off the Record. off the record. No, I almost went... Oh my gosh, Greg, you right this week. But it's, yeah, search off okay. the record. Search off the record podcast. And you know what's on the record when you said they weren't going to release more than like two episodes and now they I have. said 12 and they're at four. Okay, okay? whatever. Okay. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Martin responded to Brian, uh, type underscore SEO on Twitter about what the importance of meta descriptions are to Googlebot. And Martin said, well, they're the title. Well, they and the title are making up the first impression of what somebody searching sees from your site and helps Google search to get a short summary of what you consider important about the page. This is why Google can't answer anything because everybody erupted. It's like, I thought descriptions didn't matter for the ranking factors. It's not a ranking factor. And what Martin said is just a, a general point. Like, yeah, it could be used as a short summary and be shown. And so everybody's panicked for a while. John Mueller came out and said, it's not a ranking factor. Calm down. He didn't say the calm down. I said the calm down. <laughs> but this is why SEOs can't have nice things. And quite frankly, why Google doesn't talk about stuff sometimes. It's because everybody makes such a big deal about something. You know, it, it, it's too much. I'm not like, it. Shouldn't your description be like, what's most important about the page anyway? <laughs> No, I'm going to stuff it full of like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera terms. And try to rank. <laughs> I just dated myself in the SEO world here. Mm -hmm. I mean, Britney is still pretty relevant and Christina had like burlesque. Oh, wait, yeah. what happened? Like what happened voice. to Britney? Is she freed? 
Oh, I didn't no, look. She's definitely I don't think not so. Free. I would have seen it. I'm still watching her Instagram videos. Yeah, yesterday she posted something that was like a picture of her and the first one was the original and then she posted a carousel of all the different filters on it and it was basically the same thing and I'm just trying to figure out what it meant. Mm-hmm. I think Wait, it I means say- like save me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, if you recall, Genius had caught Google red-handed scraping some of their lyrics. They put in, it was the, I believe it was the parentheses, not, not the parentheses, the quotations. There's two different types of quotations. They use Morse code to make it spell red-handed if you decoded this. And Google had scraped from Genius, didn't credit Genius, and took them to court. Unfortunately, a federal judge ruled that Genius doesn't have any viable claims that cannot be preempted by copyright law. So they're saying, this isn't your, your, your songs anyway. These aren't your songs. <laughs> like You can't take credit for this and you can't sue Google even though Google scraped you. And not only that, Genius didn't get what they wanted. From the article at thehollywoodreporter.com, so Judge Brody goes on to add that Genius's transcriptions are really just derivative works. And even if Genius created them and retained some ownership, plaintiff's claim is preempted by the Copyright Act because at its core, it is claimed that the defendants created an unauthorized reproduction of plaintiff's derivative work, which is itself conduct that violates an exclusive rights of the copyright owner under federal copyright law. Wow, so they're in trouble now. I think they outed themselves, right? That's so embarrassing. I mean, I'm not a genius, but that's pretty dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's some like weird territory to be in. Like, I do agree that it's like, it stinks at Google. Like they did the work to do that and then Google just like took it. But yeah, at the end of the day, you're, you're, you yourself are also riding on someone else's work. Exactly. And next up, WordPress has suspended the Astra theme affecting 1 million users. In case you're not familiar with WordPress and how themes operate, many people will use a free theme install it on their site and be on their way. Well, apparently the Astro theme started injecting affiliate links onto normal links within people's themes that they had installed. And so they were banned on WordPress. And WordPress put out a spicy little statement there too. They said, 18 months ago, you started adding affiliate links in your theme. We have this requirement against this. Themes are not allowed to have affiliate URLs or links. We added this requirement more than 18 months ago specifically for this kind of issue. We don't understand how you can miss something like this. And it's also not the first time we have had to come to tell you something is wrong with your theme. Because of this, your theme will be suspended for the next five weeks until September 11th, 2020. Um, apparently, it's back in the store now and they fixed whatever it was. But people, this is why you shouldn't use themes and especially free themes. So let's just say you shouldn't use free themes, right? Like at our agency, Cypress North, we build, our own, we build a custom theme for each client. Um, that is free of any of this stuff. So just make sure that when you are choosing something, you probably, you actually probably should pay for it in this case. Mm-hmm. Probably shouldn't use, and don't use Astra, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's like, even if it's not like free dollar wise, you're paying for it somehow very mm-hmm. clearly. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. We should put that on a shirt, Shep. I didn't make that up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. We're and- feeling very inspired today. <laughs> Next up is a tweet from Google Webmasters. There is now support in the 
rich results test tool for articles, which is cool. So you can head on over. There is a, it's in the search documentation, or you can go to the tool and search yourself. This is just a good example. They should have put out an article saying it's now supported. So then you could just test the article in the tool and see that the article itself works. But no, that'd be too geeky. It's like uh, inception, <laughs> inception style rich data. Okay, GatherUp has a big listing of all the Google My Business categories with review attributes. We talked about this a while back. But in case you don't know what the review attributes are, um, I actually had this show up for a roofer that I was talking to. It was really nice. I could just say like what attributes um, this roofer provided. The coolest roofer ever, by the way. Um, Dan the roofer or something, or Dave the roofer. Dave the roofer. Um, but like you could put like prompt fast, knowledgeable, and all these things. So there's 275 of the different categories if you want to see what has these attributes, gather up, rounded them up, and put them in place for you. So a couple things that I thought were funny, like categories you could do is private investigator. Ooh. Like you could be like, like super stealthy. <laughs> you know, like what are you doing? Sneaky. <laughs> Another one I didn't even know was a thing, pond contractor. What? Oh. Yeah. They like build ponds in people's yards. It's a contract. I don't. Know. Well, a- I would assume it's probably more for like businesses. Like, it's, it's only be like you'd have to be like the super wealth. I mean, I guess that's profitable with the super wealthy people. Yeah. But it's like, like, yeah, it's like extra wet. The pond contractor. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you saying? Like, or like, if they have nice fountains in there, like water features. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. also one of the categories is raft trip outfitter. Like, yeah, didn't is- die. I don't know. Yeah, like, what do they lie. do? But outfitter? I think it means like like, like a, you know, like a, a tourism company. It's like, oh, you get okay. you down the river. When you're saying raft trip outfitter, I think they're like dressing you for a raft trip. Yeah, me too. I like that better. <laughs> you're like so stylish. You wouldn't believe the compliment I got from a yeah, vulture. This, <laughs> this is like Moira Rose dressing you for your rapids outing. All right, lastly, one other one I thought was funny is hair removal service. And just like, yeah. Oh. What an esthetician. <laughs> smooth. Like, is that yeah. your attribute? Like, smooth. <laughs> painless? It's not going to be painless. Uh, okay. And keeping it local here from localu.org. Uh, there's now a new direct edit experience for Google My Business. I guess it was initially reported by 9to5Google, but if you search on a mobile phone for my business, you can go in and start editing your Google My Business presence instantly, which is really cool. And then lastly, to round us up here, BFF for the show, official 2019 BFF for the show, Glenn Gabe had an article that updated one of his old articles from 2016. And it was about how long before images lose signals after a flawed URL migration. Unfortunately, one of Glenn's clients had a bad image URL migration. And they're moving over to CDN and everything went awry. And he's got a great case study of those rankings dropping. And then he basically had a reversion of the migration to the CDN. And you can see what the results are over on G Squared Interactive's blog. Really cool to see some live action data and some tangible takeaways for us all. Thanks, Glenn. That is it for Organic Mark. What is happening in social? First up in social, I want to take us on a little bit of a journey back in time. So if you remember the year 2009, um, pop rock sensation Kesha saying TikTok on the clock, but the party don't stop in her breakout single TikTok. But 
Now in the year 2020, it looks like the party may be stopping for ByteDance-owned TikTok. Oh my God, you are the only person who thinks Kesha is a sensation. <laughs> wow, she don't is. say that to Mark or Andrew. She at is our a sensation. Oh my gosh, shop. She's fine. and she is versatile. She owns both pop and rock. She can do both very well. Her music is incredible. She writes all of her own music with her mom, Peeb. Um, she's incredible. Okay. Mark, I was going to give you snaps, and Shep just, just spat fire. Did it? You know, you wouldn't let me reply earlier, so now I'm giving you all my replies. <laughs> I guess that's fair. It's like when you're doing this Twitter thing, you're opening a can of worms of how yeah. people are going to treat you. Biggest question, though, in our show notes, you don't have Kesha with a dollar sign. Is that gone? So yeah, she did that early on in her career, but after, I think it was, so after her first two albums, she dropped the dollar sign. So when she um, dropped Warrior, her um, third studio album, she dropped the dollar sign. It was like a coming of age for her. I don't think Greg was ready for that detailed of an answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's Kesha O'Clock over here. Proceed. As broken by Catherine Chu and Rita Liao of TechCrunch, um, Trump has officially signed the order banning U.S. transactions with TikTok owner ByteDance and Tencent's WeChat. Both orders will take effect in 45 days. The kind of problem that we've been seeing here is the order is extremely vague. It's still really unclear how it will actually affect the app's operations in the U.S., Um, And this comes very shortly after, we think we talked about this last week, about the announcement that Microsoft is in negotiations to buy TikTok in the U.S. from ByteDance. Um, Originally, ByteDance still wanted to maintain a minority stake, um, but in response to White House pressures, they've dropped that as part of the deal. They're no longer pursuing that. Mark, Um, can can I interject here for a second? Yeah. When we reported this last week, it was Thursday when we recorded Mm-hmm. And I laid everything out from a variety of sources. And it's like, all right, we can finally record. It's 3.30 on Thursday. This story isn't going to change till tomorrow. I laid every single thing out. All the craziness that happened last week. And then one hour after we recorded, this came out. It got even crazier. Like, what is 2020? What is this? Mm-hmm. We're living for the drama. Like, you can't. You can't make this up. We just got to do it. Um, we're living in a reality TV show. So when you hear this, you might as well just go. This 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 news is going to be like two hours old, and it's probably going to change with TikTok mm-hmm. and the current administration. So mm-hmm. take yeah, it. T- 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 TikTok is actually going to ban the White House in the United States. <laughs> it's going to be a reversal. <laughs> you never know. So the basis of the order was TikTok's lack of information security being a national, a threat to national security. Um, that'll likely be challenging. It's like a bit of a dramatic leap. Like it's not good, but is it a threat to national security seeing as government employees aren't even allowed to have TikTok downloaded on their phones? So the order claims that TikTok's access to user data, including location, browsing, and search history, quote, threatens to allow the Chinese Communist Party to access Americans' personal and proprietary information, potentially allowing China to track the locations of federal employees and contractors, build dossiers of personal information for blackmail, and conduct corporate espionage. I, I actually get this, right? Like, A, I, I'm also team 
ban them for their awful rule saying that you have a crack in your wall and yes. you, your teeth aren't aligned and you can't use the app. Like ban them for that first off, first and foremost. But it, you can't use Facebook or Instagram or anything like that in China. And if you are actually considering that you might be going, like if you think tensions are high or something, like, yeah, don't give everybody your, your location information. That is mm -hmm. something that's vital, right? Yeah, <laughs> if you're you actually, can turn that off in your phone. So, you know. And I, I yeah. always do. Apparently, you cannot give people your uh, your phone number in India as well, but just found that out. <laughs> so in response to this, TikTok stated that it actually had taken steps to separate U.S. and Chinese operations of the company and claims that U.S. data is stored outside of China. There's no proof of this, but this is what they've stated. Um, so they're saying that this actually isn't a concern because the two entities are separate. Next up from the one and only Susan Winograd at Search Engine Journal, at Susan E. Dub on Twitter. Congrats on the new gig. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's right. Congratulations. Um, in the latest effort to combat media misinformation and media bias, like yet another time Facebook is doing something and they're being forced to because of what is going on over there. Um, ahead of US elections, Facebook is now cracking down on politically backed news entities. Facebook will now treat political news outlet pages in a similar way to how it treats politicians themselves as a page, rather than as an actual news source page, due to the inherent bias that you have when a news organization is actually tied to a, a particular politician or party. Um, so these news outlets will still be able to be labeled as a, their page as a news outlet on Facebook, but they will, um, won't be included in the news tab and they will not be permitted to use the news messaging options on Facebook Messenger platform or in WhatsApp business. The criteria for what's deciding as what is a political news outlet and what is just a news outlet, um, there's four criteria that could flag you as a political news outlet instead of just a news outlet. Um, if it's owned by a political entity or politician, a politician is serving in a position of power like a CEO or an editor. The news outlet shares proprietary Facebook information with a politician or political party. This could be things like location, gender, age, um, or the page owner itself is a political entity. So those four things is what they're using as the criteria to separate those. That's good. I, I, I like this in general. My question though is like, what if you're really politically driven? You know, let's say you're some news that's so politically driven. I'd like to see that, you know, because I just mm -hmm. don't know, like, if something skews one way or the other. I just would like to know, yeah. like, in general, which way you skew. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that's feasible. Yeah, like I've seen bar at the top. Mm -hmm. I've seen like a third party chart that explains like, they take like all major news sources and they show like which way they go right or left and they and then up and down is like how fact-based it is and how like not fact like it's like very interpreted and not necessarily just saying the facts like really interpreting things and making conclusions so that's like a good like 
grid. I've seen that. So it'd be good if Facebook could like score something on that. But I think the big thing is like this removes like a huge conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. So like you can like they're not stopping anyone from being politically biased, but they're removing a conflict of interest in the news. Yeah. And it stops people from like spinning up a fake news site like the O'Clock Gazette. And then we just start running all kinds of ads, you know, for I mean, we could, though, because we're not political. Well, with all this TikTok news, we get more and more political every day. I mean, we can't help (laughs) it anymore. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. (laughs) I don't make the news. I just report it. So next up, we actually have more Facebook news. But this time, this is not political. It's about coronavirus misinformation. That's so political, misinf- yeah. Somehow it's become political. <laughs> I know, it really shouldn't Masks, be. But political. Here, here we are. Coronavirus, Every, political. Breathing, everything's political. Everything's a political statement these days. Everything you do. The shirt I'm wearing is Honey a political do. statement. Honeydew, political. I mean, yeah. Meatloaf, bad out of hell, political. <laughs> is this all because of my tweet? Yes, I couldn't reply. <laughs> I'm never doing this again. <laughs> this new feature on Facebook will now give you a warning um, when you share articles about COVID on Facebook. So if you're on YouTube, you can see the image or it'll be in the show notes. But this little pop-up comes up and it'll notify you, A, that the article contains information on COVID-19, which you probably already know. I hope so. It'll (laughs) then below that, it'll have a link to Facebook's official COVID-19 information center. So if you're like surprised by this, you can go and get actual COVID-19 information there. And then it shares information on the actual source of the article, including the domain, when the domain was registered and when the article was first shared on Facebook. Personally, I think this is a great feature to have in general, just for spreading Facebook misinformation in general. I think it should probably be for any link that you're sharing on Facebook, because I feel like so many people just don't understand like how internet news works in like published states. And I think it would make the news that's shared like a little bit more reliable. However, like I have two major criticisms of this. So A, they're saying, they're giving information on when the domain was registered. Like we're marketing people, we know what that means. I feel like the average Joe is just gonna like see a number of like when something was and not understand that like registering the domain is like something that could be iffy. Like if it's a fake news article that was just spun up yesterday, like they wouldn't necessarily understand why that domain age could possibly be like a yellow flag for something being unreliable. And then secondly, like, I don't think this will actually necessarily do anything direct to fight misinformation. It's just really shifting the blame from Facebook as a platform to the user. Totally. They're they're giving the user the information, but they're not actually stopping them from sharing it. So it really just makes it if you're sharing misinformation, you are doing it willingly rather than accidentally, and you are stating that when you share it. So really, it's not going to probably do much. Um, I think if Facebook actually cared about fighting the misinformation, they would either be putting these COVID-19 posts either into a manual review process or blocking them altogether. I just think if people want to share some misinformation, they're going to do it anyway. But I mean, Facebook Mm -hmm. can do their best. I don't think this is their best. (laughs) I think this is just like a way out. Yeah. Lastly, we're kind of reeling things back in, um, like 
gasp, I have something really surprising. So I'm really big apologies if this comes as a shock to all of our listeners, but everyone's favorite, most trustworthy social media app, we've already talked about it, TikTok, was caught tracking user data using a tactic banned by Google. You guys don't look surprised. No, I'm... Uh, <laughs> is the shocking part coming? I'm still recovering from the surprise that Kesha doesn't have a dollar sign in her name. I'm, I'm, you're going to have to come to terms with it, Greg. <laughs> a lot of things have changed with Kesha over the year. Like the fact that she executive produced her last album. Oh. I know. I feel like it was just yesterday she was on Wife Swap, you know? <laughs> I love that you know that. A deep cut, guys. You didn't think I'm I had that in you. me. I'm proud Thank of you. you. Thank you. You are a pop culture icon. <laughs> oh my God. As reported by Kevin Polson and Robert McMillan of the Wall Street Journal, TikTok used an additional layer of encryption to skirt around Android privacy safeguards in order to collect the unique identifiers of mobile devices of TikTok users, allowing them to track the user's internet behaviors without their consent and without a way to actually opt out of it. According to the Wall Street Journal, they did a test of this. Um, this practice um, was ended by TikTok in November, um, but it's still wrong that they still did it. And this really could not break at a worse time for TikTok, given yeah. the first story that I talked about, these pressures from the White House, and then all of these things are just, their dirty laundry is being aired. I really don't have anything else to say besides like, wow, like TikTok is really stirring up some more drama for us than a reality TV star. And I'm really excited to see what messy thing they do next. Me too. I'm not. I need some good <laughs> news. I need some good news, please. Maybe it will be good news. Like, All right. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. Okay, so this is awkward. I have to take back what I said in the segment last week. Um, okay, so if you were listening last week, I said that I was trying to add targeting at the campaign level, add audiences in Microsoft Ads Editor. I could do it online and I could not do it in Editor. And when I tried to download campaigns from online that already had targeting at the campaign level, I couldn't see them. I could only see anything or do anything at the ad group level. And I had updated, like when I was going through these problems, I had updated it, like to try to troubleshoot. Well, I asked people to help me. Kayborg on our team did help me. She told me that I, it was an update issue. They changed it. I guess it came out really quickly after I said that or the update didn't work. I don't know, but you can do it. And that was embarrassing. So the moral of the story is if you are looking to make those changes, you can, as long as you download the current, yes, the latest version. update of ads editor. I mean, I think the real moral is that if you have a problem with something, have K Berg on our team look at it. Totally. Or say it on the show. And I was hoping somebody would correct me if I was wrong. That's why I was putting it off because it would have taken hours to do online and it took five seconds in editor. So it was a happy ending in the end. Mm -hmm. We love happy endings. What about you, Mark? Mine is actually something I learned from this week's hashtag PPC chat discussion. So I'm great that I'm connecting it back to our ICYMI. 
So as we said earlier, it's usually hosted by Julie Bikini of Neptune Moon at Neptune Moon on Twitter. But this week we had the lovely privilege of having Andrea Cruz of co-marketing at Andrea Cruz 92 as a guest host so we could discuss B2B marketing tactics. As we mentioned earlier, I did have a slight disagreement with Mark Gustafson of 900 Kings at Mark PGUS on Twitter. Um, but there was another instance where I actually learned something really cool from him. So Andre and I were talking about how when we are running Facebook and Instagram lead generation campaigns for B2B marketing, we always, always, always separate Facebook and Instagram out into separate campaigns. That way we can control creative and optimize it for each platform. And we can control spend because Facebook usually drives higher quality leads. So we want to spend more there because they're more likely to convert into new business. So we always put that in as a control. But Mark came back at us and said that when he's doing a brand new campaign, that he always starts with automatic placements and lets Facebook auto allocate budgets to um, help the platforms get a lower CPL. And it actually also helps you get lower costs down the funnel. Basically, our two points that Andre and I brought up is that um, we want to customize creative and we want to monitor lead quality between the two channels. And basically, he solved this with two things. Um, he uses asset customization at the ad level, and then he either uses dynamic URL parameters if he's using a landing page, or if you're using lead forms, you can use, like there's an automatic hidden field that says whether it's like Facebook or Instagram. Um, you can use that um, to track the quality of leads in your CRM. So just make sure that's syncing with your CRM. And then after you've launched the campaign, you can make a decision whether or not you should be separating them out based on performance. And I thought that was really interesting because I always start Facebook versus Instagram, but he's saying you should try it both first and see how it goes and then make a decision based on the data. So I thought that was a really awesome insight. All right, and so mine this week comes by proxy of BFF the show, Glenn Gabe, aka the Glenn Gabe show, apparently this week. <laughs> but he had talked about it was in a must read mar marketing article of the week a few weeks back the web stories and how easy and great web stories were. So I made a web stories for our last episode. It was really just so I could use it in our Friday kind of uh, lunch and learn, but we do it at breakfast, so it's our breakfast and learn. That Web Stories WordPress plugin is fire. You can do some really awesome stuff with it. Um, and it is very, very easy to use. It's almost like a really scaled down Photoshop where you have like the layers in there and you can make all these stories. And it was so cool that I recommended it for a client. It just went through a rebrand where this is a no brainer to kind of eat up some extra space in the SERPs. And I, quite frankly, Shep and I, you talked about it, for all of our main stories, we should turn them into web stories as well and test out how that works. So if you haven't seen it, we'll link it over on marketingclock.com and Glenn's article on there. And I think it was like the 12 different things you could do, but I get, I will retweet that because it is really easy to use. It's very nice. And it's something you might want to take a, take a look at. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> just get rid of it. I'm over it. When we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. This week's WTH is a really sad one, in my opinion. I think we might as well have taken this from the obituary section of the news. Because essentially, Snapchat is just giving up. <laughs> They've lost all hope. 
They announced a new feature, which is, sounds exciting. You know, they're trying new things. This new feature is lenses that are specifically designed to be used in TikTok video. So they partnered with prominent TikTok dancers like Lauren Gray. Wait, I thought way, it was for Snapchat videos. No, no, if you can't beat them, join them, Greg. It's for, they're telling people to come to their platform, film the video, use oh, their lens, no. and share it somewhere else. They just don't even care to try anymore to get people to come. Oh, man. Time to short that Snapchat stock you have. They're, they're just saying take it and go? Yeah. So they're partnering with all these TikTok influencers. Like, these people haven't even heard of Snapchat, probably. Like, t- Snapchat is older than they are. These are babies. <laughs> One of them is this girl, Lauren Gray, who will not leave me alone. Do you guys know her? And the no. name doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> okay, sports are back. I got to watch sports all the time now. Um, the Basketballs app has the same commercial repeating every commercial break. It'll play like back-to-back three times, and it's Lauren Gray selling some laptop for Best Buy. The Basketballs app? Yeah, it's the app where you watch the basketball on the TV. What words are you saying? <laughs> How do you watch basketball on Roku? ESPN? I don't anymore. I gave up. The basketball app. It's, it's, it's <laughs> You're saying like NBA, the NBA app. I think it might be ESPN. Okay. ESPN but is the basketball's app. That's yeah. only I, I like what I'm going to refer to it. The basketball's app. Yeah. They're the in Disney app. World. They're playing basketball. It's like the interviews are so weird at the end because, like, the players are, like, t- speaking directly into the camera. It's just, it's bizarre. Anyway. I think that's what they always did, but, yeah. You can look in the crowd and find, like, some guy went to high school in a weird hat, like, in the stands, and he's not really there. Anyway. I think you could always do that, too. It's his <laughs> ad for Lauren Gray and Best Buy, and it plays five times in a row. And she's like, hey, I'm Lauren Gray. Check out my new song. And then she plays it, and she dances, and she's like, buy this laptop from Best Buy. And now the ad, I must've clicked on it at some point. It's following me everywhere I go. I see it 20 times a day. It's become the biggest inside joke of my house where I just play it whenever my husband's annoying me and when he comes home from work. But he's so happy that we're past (laughs) August 10th and he's back at work. So you can't play it for him all day when he's home. Yeah, so I just send him, I like uh, DM him the different ads I see. Every time I see it, take a screenshot. But anyway, I digress. All these influencers have their own all these influencers have their own lens and they're really creepy. They track people's body as they move and change positions and Snap says these lenses track 18 joints across the body. So they're like moving around and like different lightning bolts and stuff will come out of their elbows. It's like I just don't want anything watching me move mm-hmm. like that. I don't like to think about that technology. And I certainly don't want to be filming it on one app and then posting it on another. And overall, the whole thing is just so sad that they're not even trying to bring people to the platform to do anything other than make things to post on another platform. I mean, they've kind of been that way for a while. It's one of my least favorite things, but people always like do the Snapchat filters and like put them on like their social, like their Facebook profile picture they post on Instagram or it's like on their dating profile. And it's like... I feel like this has like been like a long time coming for Snapchat or they're really going to be like a photo or video platform. For Especially like because in their heyday, people were ripping them off and they were coming up with all the cool new, like the stories and stuff and Instagram mm-hmm. was stealing from them. And now they just, this is all they've got, lenses to I, post I, on other TikTok I, I dance challenges. Don't want you tracking my 
my 18 joints. I'm well, out. It's, it's I'm... just like that game, like Just Dance with like the Xbox and like it has like the camera that like watches you and you dance. I'm out yeah. on that too. <laughs> out. And I just feel like it's probably judging everyone's dancing. Like some people probably can't even follow mm-hmm. them around. The people just... are just like at Snapchat, just like laughing at you. Yeah. <laughs> It's really, this was created as entertainment for people who work at Snapchat. <laughs> they need it. It's sad over there. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, on to our grab bag, our segment segments. First up, Shep, what do you have for us? We have a good sheet for you this week. So Danny Owens from Pixzilla shared 15 insanely efficient Google Sheets formulas for SEO. So this is a bunch of formulas a lot of them you may have heard of before, but she'll have like a cool new spin on it for how you can use it for SEO. So for example, she uses the import XML function to pull in title tags, meta description, H1s, and URLs from a web page. So there's just a lot of really cool Excel hacks in here for you to check out at your leisure. Awesome. And on to show notes. We've got a lot of show notes this week. First up, Google has announced a virtual webmaster unconference and you can go sign up there are a slew of sessions there probably about 10 or 12 and you can sign up for three different sessions for their unconference i believe the last date of registration is august 19th so get your seat reserved i went i recommend it to a few folks on our team hopefully it is something really good except pubcon pro is going virtual so pubcon the biggest show in the search and i guess the digital advertising game we could call it um but the search and digital advertising game is moving online so there is a very nice article from brett tabke over at pubcon it is always a fantastic show it is moving online if you had tickets before you get discounts and things like that Um, it is a paid show but if you know pubcon you know that you get a lot of sessions so it may be worth it to you and your team. Um, and it is significantly discounted. So again, maybe you didn't go to PubCon in the previous years. This is your year. You're going to be able to get everything and they're organizing events. And if everybody knows PubCon, it's the events that make things special there. So check it out. Thing, tickets start at 349 bucks. And then lastly in show notes here, if you miss MozCon, 2020, no worries, because you didn't miss it. It was virtual and all of the (laughs) slides are available for purchase. You can buy the 2020 video bundle. And I believe that right now it comes with 2019 videos as well. Again, there is a price to this. I think it's 129 bucks. But if you miss MozCon, had some scheduling issues, you can get that now. It would be nice if they were on the Netflix of PowerPoints. That would be nice. They should have the Netflix of digital marketing (laughs) conferences, right? You subscribe once, you get everything. That'd be great. Mark, set that up. (laughs) Okay, I'm on it right now as we speak. All right, and this week in Taboola slash Outbrain, we've got a banger. The Netflix of clickbait. The Netflix, (laughs) the Uber of clickbait. And there is an uh, image. I don't know who this person is. Is it a Styles? No, it's the girl from... um, Oh, yeah, it's Julia Stiles, right? Julia Stiles. I, yeah. yeah, Julia Stiles. And there's a picture of her. You can see it on our YouTube channel or on marketingclock.com. And she says, she was a legendary actress. Today, she works nine to five. And the image is like her on a red carpet. 
And then like her outside's exercising. It's just her with and without makeup. It's yeah. so evil. What are you doing? You're not working here. And then I clicked on this ad trying to figure out what this was. I couldn't get to it. I went through about 20 pages and I couldn't figure out what Julia Stiles was doing today. And quite frankly, I think she's still acting. And it's like working a nine to five isn't that bad. Like, don't mm-hmm. disparage it. I'm like, I'm fine. Yeah. And Dolly Parton made it seem very glamorous. 100%. Thank you, Mark. Well, as many of you may have seen on Twitter, we had some very interesting social media marketing this week. It all started on August 11th at about 8 a.m. Eastern time when Airbnb tweeted, you up, Blockbuster? (laughs) And then I am once again asking, are you up at Blockbuster? And then they quoted Blockbuster's tweet from 2013. Oh my God. What are you watching tonight? And Airbnb said, my timeline, waiting for you to reply. And then at 10.58 a.m. Eastern time, Airbnb tweeted, residents of Bend, Oregon, what you doing in September? Because the last blockbuster in the world will be offering movie lovers in Bend a 90s-themed sleepover for a limited time, only on Airbnb. Who's down? It sounds like the plot to a horror movie. Yes, the shop has already made it very clear. She is out. My main thing is it's like, it's an Airbnb. Like people always take things from Airbnb. I feel like by the end of like this being a thing, there will be like zero VHS tapes left in this place. <laughs> totally. Like, are they putting I, like trackers on all of them? Are someone like checking you out? I just have a visceral reaction when brands start like talking to each other. I don't know why. I just don't like it. I, mm-hmm. ugh. Do you guys have that to, or no? Yeah, a little bit. They're trying too hard. Oh, this is way too hard. <laughs> this is the it's thirstiest like, brand interaction Blockbuster, ever. Blockbuster, because I looked into it, because like, okay, so at 11.04 a.m., Blockbuster finally responds, and they came out of, they haven't tweeted since January of 2014. So this is an over six-year Twitter hiatus. They tweet, okay, um, they say, just checking in, and then like the waving emoji. And then at 6.50 p.m., they tweet, okay, we've seen enough checking out and that is so weird because like I looked into it I'm like is Blockbuster like still a thing like what's going on it was so confusing and apparently they are like the streaming service for like movies for Dish Network which already like who has Dish Network still who had these login credentials I don't like it yeah if you want to hear an interesting podcast about Blockbuster I'll put it in the show notes over Marketing Clock it's on the I think it's the the way I heard it podcast with Mike Rowe, so uh, you can you can check that out. It was it was worth a listen, and I don't say that much, so it's actually worth a listen. Mm-hmm. So you're co-signing it. I'm co-signing this. And next up, we have extra extra spice served up just for you. Mark is not on the show every week, but he always does these fire recaps of the show. Um, it's really entertaining to watch them come out on Fridays, and you can find him on Twitter at Mark underscore from underscore underscore MKTG. It's like Mark for marketing. So last week he responded to my um, little sadness about getting kicked off of my uncle's HBO after 10 years. And he said, I'm so upset about this. They're the only network that doesn't allow you to log in through a cable provider. Hashtag criminal, hashtag HBO, no. It's so sad. I haven't watched 
watch HBO in two weeks. It is criminal. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's Cool Tool is a shiny new Shopify Core Web Vitals dashboard from Ilya Gregoric. That's igregoric, I-G-R-I-G-O-R-I-K on Twitter. This allows you to track all of Google's Core Web Vitals um, page experience like for page experience um, signals. So that's largest contentful paint, first input delay and cumulative layout shift for your Shopify store. And it also allows you to track that against competitors, against stores that you really like and think are great. Um, so you get like a really good idea of how well your um, user experience is for anyone that's using Chrome. And this is completely free on the Shopify app store. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And this week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Kevin Indig. And Kevin tracked his Discover feed for 12 days, and he tells us all what he learned. I like the beginning where he had a very dead simple graphic talking about search being a pull, medium and discover being push. And then he has kind of the experiment. It's none of this is scientific. If you're looking for a scientific experiment, don't look at what Kevin put together, <laughs> but he tracked all of the different screenshots that he showed that were, that were given to him from Google discover. Um, Glenn Gabe also has a ton of good information on discover. He shared some of his information with us, led us to hooking up a few of our clients and hooking into Discover, well, into the Publisher Center and then bumping Discover up substantially, which has been awesome. But Kevin does a good look at why he thinks some of the articles were shown to him, a couple of things he found that were interesting that you couldn't like follow the New York Times, but you could for The Verge, which is weird. Um, and then why he thinks Google Discover was showing him what they were. So Discover is something that people really aren't talking about enough, in my opinion, and is something that we as marketers in general should look for optimizing to. And again, this isn't necessarily a scientific breakdown that Kevin put together, but it is really helpful. And he's got a lot of ideas and hypotheses as to why he is being shown what he is. Thank you, Kevin. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not marketing o'clock. Remember, you can catch everything from the show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's Shoot in the Heck, where after our famous Friday news show, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the heck. So this week we are going to play our new favorite game. It is not poke holes in this. It's called Prove Me Wrong. You just give an opinion. It doesn't have to be a new idea and everyone mm -hmm. else just 
disagrees or agrees with you. Oh. And since Mark is here this week, he is going to be delivering his hot takes mm-hmm. while they're while they're hot, you know? Well, I already want to disagree with you because I thought like poke holes in it. It was Greg's thing and prove me wrong is your thing. So I thought oh, my wait. thing could be called bootleg opinions. <laughs> and that's everyone's actual favorite game. <laughs> okay. So okay, first- I can poke holes in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody loves poke holes in this. It definitely doesn't make that much sense. For my first bootleg opinion, dark navy is an inferior clothing color. What? Like, why would you wear dark navy when you can wear black? Like, I could okay. never think of an instance where I want to wear dark navy pants or like a dark navy suit or like dark navy shoes, like anything. Anything that is dark navy, I want it to be black. I think it's like just not having its moment right now. I think it might come back. And what I don't like about dark navy is like, I never know that it's dark navy. I think it's black. And then I leave the house and like my tights don't match my shoes or my dress and it's really embarrassing. So I kind of think we should just get rid of it for that reason because it's just, it's calling people out for their bad eyesight or their bad lighting in their bedroom. Um, so I'm kind of inclined to agree. I don't really have anything. I hate dark navy, I'm with you. And it's you. like with dark navy, it's like nobody, what color belt do you wear? Do you wear a brown belt? You have to go light brown. You have to go really, really light, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I don't even you're know supposed fashion. supposed to wear, I mean, your belt color is supposed to be the same as your shoes. So I feel like your options are either like brown, gray, or white, or maybe khaki, like a tan. I don't know. So you're well, fine with the like options are not white if it's got to match your shoes because I don't have oh, any I nice white shoes. White belt should be illegal, right? That's not a thing. Yeah, the only person I've ever known to wear a white belt is my grandfather and me at my first communion, or my okay. sensei when he first started. Okay, what is your next bootleg opinion? Savory brunch is superior to sweet brunch. 100%. What is wrong with these people who go out and they're like drinking 10 mimosas and eating French toast? Oh yeah, okay. Also, You're gonna barf. Yes, and it's like, I feel like French toast is such a waste when you could be having like an Eggs Benedict. Oh, uh, Eggs Benedict, 100%. Um, like a nice Florentine Benedict or like if you're in a coastal town, you can get it on a crab cake. Or my something. favorite. My favorite. So good. I, I cannot, don't trust people if you go out to brunch with them and they're eating a, a sweet brunch. Or like pancakes. You can make that at home. And it's just, you eat pancakes, you're hungry an hour later. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fill you up all day. I'm I agreeing with every, all of you. <laughs> I know. I hate, I don't, none of these are controversial apparently. No, they are to some people. I don't have enough brunch experience. I'm not a big bruncher. Like on our Slack channel, I always say brunch and then I go eat like a cheese wrap with like meat in the middle of it. And that's my brunch. Okay, but you could you could say breakfast too. Like what do you think of people who go to breakfast and get pancakes? I think that's insane. I think you're an insane person if you do that. Like I literally think you have problems. Like you see these like bananas on pancakes. Like what are you doing? It's the morning. Like you have to live with this in your system the whole day Mm -hmm. so i guess i do have a take you know what they should do i just had an amazing idea this could be a poke holes in it we should go to brunch everyone orders their own thing as a society not like the three of us is covid you go everyone (laughs) orders their ex benedict or whatever and then it's like a dessert you order the french toast to split as your dessert Mm -hmm. i have done that with my friends where we like will split something sweet as like a starter 
it's like we'll get like this one place we used to go in Boston was like they had like homemade pop tarts and we'd like split a homemade pop tart. Yeah, that's great. That's the but, one that, or cinnamon roll. Cin- a good cinnamon roll. Yes. Yes. But you that's, know, again, again you that's don't want to eat that as your brunch. You can't easily make it home. Yes. Yeah. Stemless wine glasses aren't wine glasses. <laughs> I don't own any stemmed wine glasses. What are you worried wow. about the wine getting warmed up? Yeah, because I the whole point of a wine glass is the stem because like you your the heat of your hand literally causes a chemical reaction which can change the flavor oh, of the wine. My wine's coming from a box half the time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Please. That's what ice cubes are for. There's nothing like a delicious watered down glass of white wine. It stays nice and cold. You can grip the wine glass at the top. Stemmed wine glasses are stitches waiting to happen. Those are the wine glasses that get dropped. I completely disagree. Stemless is the way to go. I have never dropped a stem wine glass and I'm a messy person. I fall a lot. I am clumsy. I've never dropped a stem wine glass. I've dropped it. You should make that your Twitter bio. You should put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, get a (laughs) t-shirt. I've broken at least a dozen stemmed wine glasses, never a stemless one for what it's worth. But I do like the stem. I like it because you can just like pretend you're fancy, twirl it around in your fingers really easy. Mm -hmm. It's hard to twirl a glass around in your fingers, but with you got the little stem there, it's nice. Mm -hmm. Spin it around easy. It's also something to do with your hands if you're at like an awkward party and and you're just like talking and you're you're like fiddly like I am. And it's like the stem is like a nice little thing to grab like think of it would you ever drink champagne out of a champagne flute that doesn't have a stem no because I, I i own them i i would I, drink champagne out of a solo cup and i have <laughs> it's not about the vehicle it's about what's inside that counts okay that is a good t-shirt and we'll see you next week